What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome back to the Pelican Debrief Podcast. I know, two episodes in three days. What are we doing? It's the slowest part of the offseason. There really shouldn't be this much to talk about, but you guys know we had Wilton Jackson on the show two days ago. We've got Chris Connor of Pelican Debrief on today to talk about many of the same things. Late breaking news considering uh, Chris Finch, the All-NBA announcements, Robert Pack, as well as Alvin Gentry appearing on Adrian Wojnarowski's Vertical Podcast. Um, you guys, do us a favor before we go any further. Make sure you like the episode, share it with your friends, retweet it, maybe uh, send us some questions that we can answer on our next episode. And be sure to go back to our archives on blogtalkradio.com slash pelicandebrief. You can check out some awesome and still very relevant interviews with Jeff Duncan, Ian Levy, our friends at Bourbon Street Shots, our friends at Burb Rights, some of our Pelican Debrief uh, guys right here. We're going to keep the content going through the summer. We're not going to leave you guys empty-handed. Let's get right to it. Here is Chris Connor. You guys, it's time to phone a friend. Welcome, Pelicans fans, to the program. Christopher Connor. How you doing, Chris? I'm all right, Preston. What's going on? Chris, this is your second time on here, right? Hey, man, I'm, I'm pretty much a veteran now, man. I know, man. You're going to be hosting this thing before long. Uh, we're so excited to talk to you. Before we do that, you guys make sure to follow Christopher Connor on Twitter. That's at Impatient Bull. Also, he's got some off-season reviews of Dante Cunningham and a sort of a comparison to Drew Holiday to uh, a, a casual dating piece, uh, we should say. Do you want to describe that for our listeners real quick? Uh, well, basically, um, Drew, Drew's situation, it, it kind of reminded, reminded me of some sort of, uh, I don't want to say a, a stale relationship, but, um, <laughs> a, a situation, you know, in which, um, uh, the potential of, of, of both parties are, are more than likely not be reached. Um, and in the current, in, in the current situation, uh, in regards to taking taking a next step and and the commitment that uh, Drew is going to ask for uh, when it comes to a, a long term deal, um, it may not be the best for say uh, say the Pelicans in regards to where they need to go from a basketball uh, perspective, and it may not be the best the best fit for Drew um, as well, who um, coming forward may not have as may not be uh, well he'll be the primary ball handler, but You'll see a lot more this year with you know Demarcus playing uh, playing point point center or point four, whoa, no matter whoa, how you want to look at it. Don't get ahead of yourself. We have to talk about that stuff in a bit, <laughs> man. I just wanted to touch on that analogy because I loved it and I got a kick out of it. You know that 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 girl or boy, we don't have any judgments on Pelican debrief. That girl who. You know, things should work out. She's beautiful. She comes from a nice family. And and you just don't know why it doesn't click. But you know what, man? It doesn't click. And sometimes you just got to follow your heart and you got to move on from True Holiday. Is that in essence what you're saying, Chris? Pretty much, boss. Pretty much. All right, man. I got a kick out of that. Keep those metaphors coming on the site. Um, But we have some news that we do want to talk about. Uh, We did talk about a bunch of this stuff with Wilton Jackson yesterday, and I want to get Chris's take on it because this guy always brings the fun to the program. Uh, First of all, Scott Kushner has confirmed Mark Stein's earlier report that the Pelicans will be offering the assistant head coaching job to Christopher Finch. Uh, of your namesake, formerly the assistant, or I should say, associate head coach 
of the Denver Nuggets. He was the captain of their offense that was overall fifth rated last year, although it was first overall rated since December 15th when he handed the offense over to Nikola Jokic. Just a little background about Christopher before I get back to the other Christopher. This guy has a history of coaching in England, Germany, Belgium before making his way to the D-League in 2009, and he also captained the English national team in the 2012 Olympics. So this guy has a a broad history of coaching, shall we say. And then in 2011, he joined the Rockets, and he became their associate head coach in 2014 to Kevin McHale. And then in 2015, Mike Malone brought him aboard to the Denver Nuggets. 2016, sorry, forgive me. He brought him aboard. Now, what he specialized in and why they brought him to Denver was to gear an offense around big man Jokic, who is an exceptional passer. And you'd have to think that that's one of the primary reasons that we're bringing him to New Orleans, not only to gear the offense around DeMarcus Cousins and his exceptional passing ability, but also we don't really have a point guard who needs the ball in his hands at all times, even should we bring back Drew Holiday. We've seen that uh, how that experiment went and failed. So you have to think that DeMarcus is going to need more touches. Anthony Davis is going to need more touches. Knowing what you know about Chris Finch and about where this offense might be headed in 2017, Chris, do you give this hire a yay or a nay? Well, I definitely give it a, give it a yay, uh, mainly because, you know, they're in a, they're in a situation where they have to, they have to cater uh, to their, to their new superstar. And, and the superstar in, in uh, well, their homegrown uh, superstar in Anthony Davis. Uh, and from a basketball standpoint, it makes sense. Um, if you watch Denver last year and, you know, how, how, how well Jokic, you know, how well Denver ran, uh, ran the offense through him, uh, so many different places that they put him at uh, on the floor and he was able to, to succeed at. Um, I would say that, you know, Jokic is, would be, he's a slightly better, better passer than, say, DeMarcus, but DeMarcus is, is definitely a better Ball handler than than joking. They have they they have similar similar skill sets, and uh, when you look forward to you know what what best works for say uh, Demarcus and is going to work for you know for Anthony Davis you know those two together, uh, they're both fours that can you know that can handle the ball that are you know that are willing passers. Uh, when you uh, look at some of the things that that they did with say uh, anytime for Reed and Joking ended up playing together you know mobile bigs that could move. And play together. It was pretty good basketball to watch. So, um, you know, knowing right now that you know we don't know exactly who's going to be the starting point guard next season, um, it definitely uh, looks like they're going in the right direction to try to cater this offense, uh, you know, to the uh, to their two-star big men, and that's very important. Definitely, I agree. Uh, I get nervous putting too much uh, trust, or should we say, power into Demarcus Cousins' hands. I do like him. Uh, in the paint with the ball in his hands, but he is turnover prone. He averaged four turnovers per game last season, uh, but still a productive passer. Got about four or five assists, so I'm not too worried about it. And we saw how the the four or five pick and roll can work uh, sparingly last season, but whenever we did, it usually ended up in an Anthony Davis alley-oop, so can't complain about that. And you have to admire Alvin Gentry, um, a guy that's not shy about surrounding himself with talent, both on the floor and off the floor. He's got Darren Ehrman on one side right now, and he's got Chris Finch on the other side, guys who are going to want input. They're going to want to chat. They're going to want to talk to the guys. And and you have to be pretty confident being Alvin Gentry making those hires, knowing knowing how hot the seat is that he's sitting on right now. Um, before we get to that, 
I do want to touch on Robert Pack, uh, a former Hornet, uh, uh, assistant coach, now has been reportedly dismissed from the team, although he might be head coaching their D-League team coming up, so this might be a move yet to be announced. He played for the Hornets in 2002. He's got the the NOLA Robert Pack Foundation, so by all accounts, a good guy, a respected guy. Anything you want to you wanna say? Um, any thanks you want to give to Robert Pack for his time as a, an assistant head coach to the New Orleans Pelicans? Well, um, I being being from New Orleans, uh, I, I know how uh, how important Robert uh, was uh, to the to the community uh, by itself. Uh, so uh, I definitely uh, I definitely will say that you know he was definitely appreciated in that regard. Um, I remember uh, vividly, you know the the uh, the relationship that he was, you know, that, that he was able to build with a lot of the, a lot of the guards that the that the, the Hornets slash Pelicans ended up ended up bringing in over the years. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a he's a scrappy, you know, he was a scrappy guy when he played, a really good a really good defender, you know, he brought, you know, pretty good. His his thing was always bringing bringing grit and energy uh, night in and night out. Uh, I definitely think that you know, in, in a sense, it will be missed, but. Um, I'm intrigued to you know to watch to see uh, if he does end up becoming the coach for the D League team, uh, how that ends up uh, uh, working out. I I think uh, he uh, does have the the traits to be um, a pretty decent you know head coach um, at some point. So uh, I'm interested in what the next chapter for Robert Pack holds, but he's definitely appreciated on uh, and off the basketball court uh, for New Orleans, I would say. Definitely happy to have him in New Orleans. Uh, for those of you who want to check out some of the stuff he's doing in New Orleans, you can check out Team Hope, H-O-P-E. This is uh, stands for Helping Our Players Excel. He partnered up with Master P last year to put this together, and it's uh, it's all around helping youth ages 12 uh, to 15. So do check that out. Do give if you have the availability. Uh, by all accounts, a good guy, and hope to keep him around in the area. Now let's move forward, Chris. We got to talk about the All NBA now that they've been announced. Anthony Davis barely nudging out Rudy Gobert, both on the court and off the court. Apparently, three forty-three to three thirty-nine. Um, how excited are you to have Anthony Davis back on the All NBA team? Uh, it's 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 very exciting, man, to see you know the the work that he put in last year. You know, uh, when it comes to you know his growth as a basketball player, and you know, and and seeing it seeing it. It recognized, you know, uh, uh, completely uh, him him being, you know, um, seen as a, you know, as that as that top five, you know, top three, you know, depending on how you, you know, how you value him, uh, but a top tier basketball player again, a top ten big man, you know, like, you know, a top top five overall player, uh, that's big time, and you know, to know that we, you know, that we have it in New Orleans, uh, you know, a smaller market, you know, that doesn't always, you know, we don't we, we don't get many many primetime games as of late, uh, so. Uh, to know that you know his game has been recognized not just by the locals but you know by the by the major media, um, it's pretty awesome uh, uh, from a lot of different uh, a lot of different angles. Uh, but it's cool to see, I will say. Yeah, it's definitely very well deserved. He reached uh, the most games started and played in in his career with 75, averaged 28 and 12. Again, second in the year in blocks with 2.2. Definitely deserved to be there. Excited that he beat out Rudy Gobert. I didn't think Rudy belonged on the first team. And uh, although it is upsetting for a lot of people, he made the team obviously as a center. And had he been uh, classified as a center last year, he might have gotten that twenty-five million dollar bump over the life of his contract. However, going forward, this is still very important to Pelicans fans because the way the designated player extension works, 
is should you make an MVP, two Defensive Player of the Year awards, or two All-NBA awards in the three years leading up to your contract extension, you are then eligible for the designated player extension, which gives you up to 35% of the cap that you can spend on this player. Now, this is very important because it gives you an advantage over the competition. Uh, We see that Gordon Hayward and... Uh, forgive me, Paul George did not make the All-NBA team this roster, therefore are not eligible for that, which makes it all the more likely that they might jump ship and go to Boston or Los Angeles, respectively. So does this give you confidence that Anthony Davis will be here for the life of his career, or do you think in three years time will tell? Uh, I still think I still think time will tell, uh, but you know everything that all signs point, in, uh, in my opinion, to him, him staying – uh, you know, you know, Anthony's a really, a really low key, uh, you know, loyal guy. Uh, you know, he's he's shown a lot of passion. You know, not just uh, for uh, for the organization, but the city of New Orleans. You know, when he talks, he doesn't just you know he doesn't just talk about you know how he wants to win the franchise. He talks about how how he wants to win for the city. Um, I know if you've been a if you've been a, a Hornets fan or a Pelicans fan for you know as long as I have, you know. You know, you know someone similar who said, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, similar similar things, and, and Chris Paul uh, talking about his love for the city. Um, I will say that you know the uh, the circumstances are you know are slightly different. Uh, I don't know how how uh, what's most important to Anthony, but it seems it seems to be you know, it seems winning is. Uh, but the money is going to be there. Uh, I, I don't know. Time will tell. I'm interested in in seeing what what some of the other superstars do, and um, the NBA always finds a way to be you know to be creative and making sure guys end up getting their money one way or another. So I think time will tell, but all signs seem to be pointing uh, in a positive direction. Definitely, and you'd have to think even if Anthony Davis for some reason you know, did decide to leave New Orleans once Demarcus leaves and Alvin and Dell have been fired and things are just at their bleakest. Uh, you'd have to think it would be a trade because he's not going to walk away from $70 million. And that would be the difference between a four-year $130 million contract and a five-year, I believe it's $207 million contract. So that's uh, that's essentially an extra year at $77 million. Uh, forgive me. Uh, I'm sure I'm off on the math. Nate Duncan is the one you should follow for that if you haven't checked out the Dunked On podcast. But I do know that in 2019, we can up his salary from $27 million to $38 million. So that would be impetus for anyone to stay. Uh, talk about the DeMarcus Cousins snub. DeAndre Jordan made the third team at center with 13 points and almost 14 rebounds a game. And DeMarcus averaged 24 and 12. Are you upset? Uh, in, a, in a sense. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of that, of that may, be, may be personal and, you know, through some of the some of the, you know, uh, the the way well, the way that Demarcus has rubbed uh, a few media analysts and members, you know, the wrong way. Maybe you know, reputation. Uh, Demarcus, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre was on the team. You know, they ended up ended up making uh, the playoffs. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Demarcus is, is he's becoming one of those guys that you you know at some point you wonder, you know, you know it, can he can he win? Can you win with him on your team? Um, you know, the numbers are great, but can you win a championship, you know, uh, building, you know, a team with or around him. Uh, so I will say, you know, I'm, I, I'm slightly upset, but I understand the move. I understand why, uh, why a team or, or why, uh, someone wouldn't vote, uh, DeAndre Jordan, you know, the, the, a lot of the awards and, you know, the things, you know, that, uh, 
that players end up end up getting these days. They've they've changed now from you know just from just winning you know to overall team success. So um, if you look at it from that standpoint, then yeah, I can understand why I said that DeAndre Jordan may have made it. Uh, but it's no, uh, I don't think that anyone would would say that uh, Demarcus didn't have a better year last year. Definitely. I'm sure the technical fouls and the theatrics went into it, and even maybe the trade. I do have to confess, Chris, I just lied to you and our listeners. 24-12 and 12 is what he put up in the 25 games with the Pelicans. Overall in the season, he actually averaged 27 points and 11 rebounds in only 34 minutes, 36% from three. Man, looking at these numbers, even with the theatrics and the history, it really is hard to believe that he got passed over for DeAndre Jordan. But it's in the past now. <laughs> now let's move on to Dell Demps and uh, Alvin Gentry. They'll be back, even though despite NOLA.com seems to hate them. 83% <laughs> of fans want them gone, according to NOLA.com. Even our friend... Uh, uh, Jeff Duncan over at the Times Picayune. You know, it's it's not a matter of uh, hey, that's that's for the fans. I'll I'll quantify that with, before I proceed any further. But Jeff Duncan, you know, you just he had the opinion, and I have the opinion that after seven years uh, and forty two percent percent win percentage, you you just got to move on. Something has to change. Whether it be the vice president of basketball operations and Mickey, whether you want to hire a president above him. Here's the quote from Mickey. After careful and thorough review of basketball operations, we have made the, the determination that the best course of action as we move forward into the 17-18 season is to continue under the leadership of Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry. We will continue to evaluate important roles on both the administrative and coaching staff, which will be resolved at the appropriate time. And now we know that he was uh, re- he was regarding uh, Chris Finch and Robert Pack with that last statement. Not the greatest vote of confidence. Talk about Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps being back this season, Chris. Uh, well, I, uh, I last time I was I was on the podcast, we you know we went over uh, a few different a few different you know scenarios. You brought up Danny Ferry, you know maybe you know being being a um, a figure that you would have liked seeing uh, having an opportunity or a second chance. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's to be determined, but I mean, I, I think that um, most people uh, in inside and outside of, you know, the organization, you know, felt that uh, once, once the, the trade for the Marcus Cousins happened, uh, that kind of saved Bill uh, Dempsey's job and it kind of, you know, you know, it bite him more, well, it, it ended up buying him more time. Uh, so, you know, or at least, at least until say, you know, before the all-star break, depending on, you know how they build the rest of the team around uh, Demarcus and AD. Uh, it's not necessarily. Uh, it's, it's not. I'm not necessarily happy about it because I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't. We've we've given you know Dale quite a you know uh, amount of time here to try to figure out how to build a you know a team um, a, around whether it be Anthony Davis or uh, Chris Paul's last year. I, you know, I mean. You would have you would have liked to see them, you know, maybe want to go in a different direction or make some type of change here. But I also can understand them uh, wanting to keep as many uh, familiar faces in that organization while they try to convince the Marcus Cousins that, you know, hey, we here in New Orleans, we have a stable um, and and you know consistent you know front office here for you, and not give him more changes as in Sacramento. You know, that's pretty much all he all he saw was different faces every year. So um, I really, I really would have liked to see change, but I don't know what else was really out there for them for them to do. 
uh, I don't blame a lot on, you know, on Elvin Gentry. Dale Debs is probably you know, uh, the biggest um, problem that I think uh, most fans uh, would point at, you know, but I mean, I, I, I mean, for right now, um, I don't, I don't see what other, what other option we really had that, you know, the Pelicans would have, you know, been able to go through with. So for right now, it is what it is, you know. Definitely, and we are fans here at Fanside. It's PelicanDebrief.com. We're not privy to, you know, what are the sexy head coaching candidates going into an off season, or or the best general managers to look for, with the exception of maybe um, David Griffin in Cleveland seems to be a popular topic of conversation right now. But what we do know is what we have: Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry. And uh, although you can't fault Alvin Gentry, in my opinion, his first year, three hundred and fifty-one games of injuries. His second year, he essentially coached three different teams. But you can blame Dell Demps. It's been seven years. We've made the playoffs twice. Once was as a seventh seed with Chris Paul, but we won two games off the Lakers. And uh, the other one was an eight-seeded 4-0 sweep um, against the Golden State Warriors. And even that one came just uh, in lieu of the fact that Kevin Durant got hurt for much of the year and the Thunder weren't able to manage a a playoff run at the end there. You can you can talk about some of his achievements with uh, guys like Ish Smith and Jordan Crawford, you know, finding Ryan Anderson for Gustavo Ayon, but you can't talk about them without talking about the mishaps. You can't talk about them without talking about six of the seven years uh, he's been here giving away our first-round picks. Inevitably, he's going to give away our 2018 first-round pick. Write it down right now. You didn't hear it first, but you did hear it here. That 2018 pick will not be in the New Orleans Pelicans' possession. I can promise you that. You've got Tyreek Tyreek Evans, who took four years and $40 million and cost us Robin Lopez and Gravis Vasquez. You've got Drew Holiday that we gave two first-round picks for, and we didn't even know that he had back problems. How do you miss that at the team physical? We've got Omera Sheik, who is now just a floating corpse at five years, $58 million. Eric Gordon was a disaster, giving Farouk Aminu away for nothing. It's it's time for a change. It's it's upsetting. Now we're going forward. And Chris, talk about this for a second. If we get to January and February and things aren't working out as we foresaw, we're not in contention for the playoffs or at least not a, a six or a five seed. We're somewhere near near the end. Do you Dell Demps can't be in charge of determining where to go forward with DeMarcus Cousins. He can't be the the deciding factor in whether we let Cousins ride out the season or whether we trade him at the deadline. Do you agree? Uh, I agree. Um, I, I would say at that point, you know, you're, you're, say, you're trying to save not just, you know, um, a superstar in DeMarcus Cousins and, you know, and as well as um, secure a future with Anthony Davis. But, I mean, I'd argue that you're trying to save, you know, a franchise basketball in New Orleans, um, if they don't find a way, if, if they struggle and, you know, this, this ends up going down the drain, you know, it's, I can't foresee, um, you know, especially if they would say, say lose an Anthony Davis, you know, uh, in combination with, with the Marcus Cousins. I don't, I'm, I'm worried about the, about the overall future of basketball in New Orleans. So, there's a lot of pressure to get it right, you know, and to get things moving. If things do do start off rough, and there's, you know, there's no way that you can, you know, give, you know, Dell another chance, you know, to end up making things uh, to try to right the ship all over again. You would have to look in another in another direction. So he's definitely on his last leg uh, in New Orleans. I don't think uh, there's any question about that. Yeah, I think by the time we get to January, 
if we're not at least five games over 500, you got to hook him. You you can't let let him make a decision like that. And and just briefly, of his seven years, six of them first round picks were traded away. In that other year, when we drafted Anthony Davis, our tenth overall pick just happened to be Austin Rivers, and then we cut bait with him, and now he's playing pretty well for Los Angeles. So. Just disappointing all around. The Omri Caspi decision to to cut him when we had bird rights to him. Uh, it's yeah. just... All right. But anyway, I do wish Demps and Gentry the best of luck. Hopefully we all put it together and we, we win the offseason. We get a couple of guys in free agency. Let's move right along to Drew Holiday, that lover that, that we wanted to marry, and it just never worked out. According to Ian Bagley... Uh, the Dallas Mavericks show interest, but Bird writes reports that they have stronger interest in Ricky Rubio. Alvin Gentry called him the top priority again this week on the Vertical podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, well known to everyone as Woj or dropping Woj bombs. My question to you, Chris, um, bef- well, actually, I think I already know your perspective on this, but very quickly, do you want Drew back? Uh, I... <laughs> Man, I, you know it's rough, man. I mean, you know, Drew, Drew's a, Drew's a good soul. Another one that's that's been really good for the for the community. Really good, really good in New Orleans. He's a, you know, he's a he's an exceptional basketball player. He can do many things. Uh, I don't want to get caught in that, you know, as that as that person that sounds like, you know, uh, I don't appreciate what he can do. Uh, but it's just it's just the given the given situation that we be seen from him. You know, we know what you you know what you have in Drew Holiday. I don't believe that there's a next level for him to take with this with this current roster with with the guys that they have uh, with you know the way that the offense is going to have to be ran. Um, I I don't I don't I just don't I don't see it I don't see it. Uh, I personally uh, would uh, look for uh, another way to build around your two big guys. Um, that's just my you know that's why I stand on it. Yeah, I I uh, I agree. Um, my question is, he's, he's been in the league for eight years now. You know what you're going to get. He's not going to take a leap. He's not going to, you know, take the next step up to all-star superstar. You know what you have in him and you know what he's going to cost. And the question that the Pelicans brass has to ask themselves, look in the mirror and, and, and say is where, what do you want? What, what is your goal? How high do you want to go? Because if you do re-sign Drew Holiday, Odds are you probably get a seventh seed in the West, maybe as high as a fifth seed. And DeMarcus Cousins probably re-signs, and you've got a couple more years of Anthony Davis, and and that's what you're going to be. You're going to be a fifth to a seventh-seeded Western Conference team, especially if you're able to put the parts around them. But let's be real. Um, with Drew Holiday, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis, you're paying 90 to $100 million to three guys when the salary cap currently sits at 110. There's no wiggle room to add another great player. There's no wiggle room to bring in a, a Patty Mills type. You know, maybe you can get creative in the trade market and go over the luxury tax, but we're not even sure that Tom Benson is willing to do that, even if we did have that capability. When it comes to a big three and paying that much money, it's got to be a big three. It can't be a two, uh, two and a half. And by giving him 20 to $25 million a year, which is probably what it's going to take, is going to keep the Pelicans from ever reaching elite levels. But you know what? 
We might not even have to worry about that because the way the Warriors and the Cavaliers are playing, it doesn't look like anybody's going to be competing in the next four years anyway. Um, <laughs> talk talk about the playoffs really quickly. Do you ever look at these two? What What is your perspective? Do you look at the Cavaliers and Warriors and think, man, history, we are just watching two elite superpowers that are about to go head to head again. This is great. Or do you think, man, you know what the cost of having a super team is? Watching super teams playing a lot of unsuper teams and having a really boring sixteen-team uh, bracket in the playoffs. Which perspective is yours, Chris? Um, I, <laughs> I, I find it boring, man. I mean, I, I think um, it really, it really makes the. I don't want to say it makes the playoffs on you know unwatchable, uh, but it does for for a basketball fan like me, you know, who wants to be a competitive. Eastern or Western Conference Finals. I mean, shoot, I like to see you know a, a competitive first round. Um, you know, no one, no one wants to wants to fast forward. You know, until June and you know watch a seven game series. You know, you know, you wanna you wanna enjoy the journey. You know, you know to get there. You know, I mean, that's what that's what the playoffs are about. You know, the playoffs are about. You know, I know TNT. You know, I don't know if this still is the slogan, but you know, it used to be you know we know drama. Where it, well, it hasn't it hasn't been any any drama outside of you know a few injuries and you know a few fights that the playoffs will give you, uh, but you know it, it hasn't been you know from the start of the of the season you know everyone you know said Warriors Cavaliers, um, and you know for both teams to to likely end up sweeping uh, their competition in the in the way that they're doing it. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't find it as a, as a basketball that I necessarily like. I enjoy parody. I enjoy, uh, feeling like, you know, the other team actually has a chance. Uh, you know, but some people feel, you know, feel, you know, the other way, you know, the other way around it, they like to see, you know, you know, the best play with the best, you know, uh, and that's, you know, that's just, you know, everyone, everyone has their, has their different, their different flavors that they enjoy, but I, I can't imagine how, how anyone can like watch watch these playoffs and they always said, man, this has been some really, really good basketball. I, I like uh, one good team going against another good team. Kind of how, you know, how, how Draymond tried to explain it, you know, but it's difficult to take his opinion when he's on, you know, more than likely the, you know, the best team in, you know, in basketball. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't dig it. I don't dig it either. And um, I hate you for agreeing with me on this, Chris, we got to stop agreeing on everything. Um, But I'm, I don't, I don't like watching LeBron with, with Kyrie Irving, with Kevin Love, with Max player, Tristan Thompson, and then adding Darren Williams to the mix for next to nothing. I don't like watching Steph Curry and Kevin Durant on the same team with Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green spread these guys out, man. I'm I'm good with with throwing the bird rights to the curb. Maybe just sticking with one franchise player like they do in the NBA, making it a hard cap. Don't don't let these teams pay the luxury tax. What do they care? They're making a billion dollars off of all the residuals and the television. What what do they care about going a couple of million over? We gotta we gotta spread out the talent uh, here a bit because it really is not compelling basketball. And and then when we see incredibly tragic things, I, I mean not. You know, in the sc- in the scope of basketball, incredibly tragic. Obviously, these aren't world events. Um, but I Isaiah Thomas needing another hip surgery. Kawhi Leonard spraining his ankle on Zaza Pachulia's foot. Man, it was it was really fun for a hot second of watching the Spurs take down the mighty Warriors. And now now we've got nothing left to watch. We just we just have to wait to watch these two colossal superpowers go head to head. 
which is kind of cool. At least they're in opposing conferences. Um, if this was happening in the Western Conference Finals, then we had to watch them, I don't know, go and play a, a Washington Wizards team. That probably wouldn't be compelling either. At least it's going to happen at the at the end, two apex powers at the at the height of their powers. But um, but yeah, man, I would I would enjoy a more compelling second round, a more compelling Eastern and Western Conference Finals round. I I hope it's not like this for the foreseeable future. Uh, once Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are re-signed, hopefully they lose some of their firepower and Iguodala and Sean Livingston. They're not going to be able to pay all those guys, but we'll see going forward. Let's talk some free agents, Chris. You got any guys you hope the Pelicans target? Uh, well, I, I mainly I've had my eye on um, eye on Patty Mills, you know, for for a while here. Um, honestly, I mean, but believe it or not, I uh, ever since uh, earlier in the season, uh, I was really really curious on uh, uh, the odds of of Jonathan Simmons leaving San Antonio. I think uh, the odds of that are uh, fairly fairly low now. Uh, I don't see a way that they end up letting him letting him move or you know or get away or get get out of there. But um, I mean, if 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 you believe uh, like I do that the Pelicans are are a better basketball team or gonna be a better basketball team without Drew Holiday, uh, without that contract, then you're gonna need guys like like a Patty Mills. You're gonna need guys like say a uh, uh, Tim Hardaway is another guy I've had uh, you know I'm I'm interested in. Uh, they're gonna need they're gonna need shooters and you know and people that are that are you know willing to defend. Uh, but Patty Mills intrigues me the most because um, um, of his of his pedigree coming from coming from the Spurs, uh, his his ability to make clutch shots. Uh, he knows how he, he knows what it, what it takes to to win. He's been on uh, he's played on teams with different superstars at different times at different parts of their career. Um, He's pretty much he's seen it all. He's you know he's played against the toughest you know competition. He started. He's coming off the bench. You know he played whatever role given to him. Um, and I think if they if they go ahead and they and they they let go Drew, uh, I would like to see you know a, a guard that doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to make it you know to make an impact as much. Uh, maybe do a lot of a lot more off ball uh, things. And Patty Mills is one that I would I would like to see. Uh, personally, um, I know some are out there hoping for Chris Paul or or, or Kyle Lowry. I don't see those two being. If you sign those two, you think that they're going to help, you know, the Pelicans win a championship um, because that that you know there goes the, the rest of your cap space. I don't think that's your that's your finishing or your final piece. Uh, I'd like to see them spread that money out and go get a you know a point guard and a wing, a, a shooting guard or a small forward if they can. Um, and whether that be a Tim Hardaway or J.J. Redick, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's not likely Jonathan Simmons, but uh, Wilson Chandler, whoever they go out there and get, um, they need they need quality wing depth. And if they do replace Drew Holiday, you have to have someone there that can knock down, that can knock down a shot, knows his role, and is willing to not be, um, you know, the primary ball handler. Because I like to see the ball the ball go to Anthony Davis and the Marcus Cuts a good majority of the game. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Patty Mills. I'm not on board with the Patty Mills signing simply due to the fact he's he's 28 years old. Uh, he's played eight seasons in the NBA. We kind of know who he is right now. He's a he's a 10 point scorer. He's about a 44 percent field goal shooter. He is good from three. The problem is he's probably going to cost at least 10 million annually. I would think it would be somewhere around four years, 44, four years, 48. We might've gotten a little help from Clay Thompson. He's been doing a pretty good job of, 
of shutting down Patty Mills. Before that, I thought for sure he might go, you know, maybe as high as $15 million a year. But at this point, I think we can probably settle around 10 to $12 million a year. But you'd be paying him into his mid-30s. Uh, that scares me a little bit. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a great player that I would love for us to add. Uh, again, the problem is I don't, I don't think we can afford him. I think he'll probably be somewhere around there as well. With Dante Cunningham opting out, the Pelicans sit somewhere between 17 and million under the cap. Should we not re-sign Drew? So that's all we have to to assemble some talent around our guys. Patty Mills would definitely be, definitely be a welcome addition. Um, you know, I just. I just get worried we're going to pay him too much, Chris. How much do you think he goes for? Uh, well, I mean the market the market is it's pretty it's pretty high. I mean, uh, you know, uh, for you know for ball handlers they can they can shoot these days, especially with the with the NBA being about you know space as much as it is now. Um, I could I could see a team giving him giving him um, giving him ten eleven a year. Um, I I just. You know what? I'm curious, Preston, to who you have your eye on. If we don't sign through, exactly, you know, what are what are some people? What are some names that you see out there that could, you know, that would end up uh, that would end up working? Because I, you know, I mean, off the bench, I'm personally, I'm willing to take to take the risk with, you know, with with Etwan Moore and Jordan Crawford being your being your your two guards off the bench, or whether it be Quinn Cook. I'm okay with that uh, for right now, but I do want, you know, uh, a bigger uh, legit starter at the shooting guard position. Who do you see out there that you that you have your eye on to say, man, that would really, really look nice in uh in a, a New Orleans Pelicans uniform? How dare you, Christopher? This is my show. You can't turn the tables and ask <laughs> me questions. What are you thinking? The gall of some people. I remember when when you would interview people and they would just answer questions and show. I'm kidding. I'm so excited you asked because I actually do have an opinion on this. Um, I like the experience, man. You're a smart guy, man. I want to hear. Uh, I'm I'm always up for low cost spending, quantity over quality, and I know that's not um everybody's uh, perspective. Rather than add like one or two guys at a big dollar amount, I think. I think you put all your money behind Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and you just assemble a bunch of role players and contributors around them. And if a superstar should land in your lap, then you take them. But but don't go out and pay for one. Don't go out and pay Patty Mills or, or um, Sean Livingston or Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm all for low-cost spending on guys like, and not not one of these guys, multiple of these guys. Sergio Rodriguez is on his way out of the NBA. He's in his early 30s, but he's probably only going to cost a team maybe three to four million a year. And I wouldn't want him as our starting point guard. I would want him off the bench. He's not a great shooter, but from the corner, he averages 60%. So that's a good place for DeMarcus Cousins to be able to find him. Now, if you put him at the top of the key, it's closer to 30%. So these are these are just role players and ideas. Ian Clark, a guy with high upside who hasn't really seen the floor, you might be able to get away with giving him four to six million dollars a year. Shelvin Mack, you might even be able to start him. He's a guy with a lot of aggressiveness, good ball handling. He can get to the he can get to the rim. He might be somebody who costs three to five million dollars a year. And then you've got flyers you can spend on guys like Jody Meeks. Todd Gibson would be a great guy off the bench. You can bring Terrence Jones back, probably a pretty close to the minimum. And uh, uh, the trade exception is still ours for the using, uh, something that we garnered in the, oh my God, I can't remember, line. Uh, what, what, who did we, 
Ah, it's going to escape me. But we do have a trade exception of $3.6 million available, and we can assimilate Will Barton with that trade exception. Of course, there's other guys on the market that we could go after, like Bojan Bogdanovich will probably be too rich for us. He's an astounding three-point shooter. Shabazz Muhammad, though, he might be close to 6 to $8 million. And then you can just take a flyer on any of these guys. These guys would be available for $3 million a year or less, I would have to think. Brandon Rush... Justin Holiday, Tyler Ennis, James McAdoo, Matt Barnes, Garrett Temple, maybe even Glenn Robinson Jr. But I definitely, I definitely am looking at the NBA landscape and thinking in terms of quantity over quality, over going at one or two big names. Um, we'll also have to talk trade market as uh, shedding salary will be something important going forward. The cost of shedding a Sheik would probably cost two first-round picks, so that's probably off the table. But getting rid of a Jensen Quincy Pondexter's contracts might might be doable for a first-round pick. How many how many dollars a year would you be willing to trade a first-round pick for, Chris? Uh, I mean, I, I guess it would it, it would definitely depend on you know uh, what first-round pick you you know you're looking at. More than likely, you you'd be looking at a at a mid of late. Uh, a, a mid to late pick, more than likely, a, a you know a late pick. Um, personally, in on this on this team with them with them needing uh, uh more more youth, uh, and uh, their their success. I mean, I I, I thought uh, Diallo was a was a great find when he drafted him uh, last year. I, I really I really enjoyed that. So maybe you know maybe the scouting has you know has uh, gotten so has gotten a lot better. Um, on both sides, if they can, if they can do that, I mean, eh, I don't know if if I trade more than you know maybe three or four million dollars. I mean, it, it it really would depend on exactly uh, what type of pick that we're that we're talking about here. Uh, but if we're giving I'm, away our, our 2018 first round pick, we don't know what it's going to be. We're going to assume it's going to be somewhere between 14 and 18th overall. Um, how? What what would you give that in exchange for? If we give away Alexis Agensa and Quincy Pondexter, that's only about nine million dollars. Is is the 2018 first round pick worth shedding that salary to you? Would you do that deal for nothing in return just to get those guys off the books? I I probably I, in all honesty I, I don't uh, for nine for nine million dollars. I know I know Dell Dempson could, but. Um, if you could, if I mean, the only way I'd probably trade that trade that 2018 pick is if is if you could find a way to get, to get rid of Oshik. Uh I mean, I'm personally, I'm just kind of tired of seeing our picks go away and turn into end up turning into something else or end up turning into something better. I'm thinking, man, we could have really used that pick this year. Um, I'd rather them for once for once hold on uh, to a pick. Um, uh, I I still, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm actually one that feels like you know Agenda can you know can help the can help the team a little bit. Uh, I don't know what what Quincy Pondexter is at this point. If he can even walk, I haven't seen a video of him of him running, walking, and doing anything basketball related. Uh, but uh, to me, to me, no, it's not it's not worth it. Uh, we don't know exactly what this what this roster and what this franchise is gonna is gonna look like. Uh, and you would you would hate to have you know to you know to have. Uh, uh, lose lose one of your stars for uh, you know a good portion of the year. Uh, you hate for a gamble on Drew on with or without Drew to not work or you know any type of dysfunction to happen and you and that pick 
goes from mid to a you know a top overall pick. The only thing you did was get rid of uh, Agenda and Pondexter. Um, I don't know how much nine million dollars ends up ends up getting you on that uh, in that in that market uh, or, or or what they would turn that into. Um, unless you can get rid of uh, Ashik in that deal, I I'm personally not a fan of it. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna make you whistle a new tune. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get to July. The Pelicans are gonna lock up Patty Mills to let's say a four-year, forty-five million dollar deal. Deal that's gonna take eleven million off our salary. We're only gonna have six left to work with. However, late-breaking news: Scott Kushner reports that Tim Hardaway Jr. is spotted in New Orleans with Alvin Gentry. Only we don't have the money to sign him. But they they uh, temporarily agree to let's say uh, another four year forty five million dollar deal. Now, in order to free up that space, they're going to have to shed salary somewhere, and in order to do that, they're going to trade uh, Alexis Agensa and Quincy Pondexter to the Nets, plus I don't know some D League fodder, and we're going to free up another nine million dollars in space, and voila, we have just added Patty Mills and Tim Hardaway at the price of our 2018 first round pick. Does that sound about right to you? If you can promise that, Preston, you need to be the next the next GM uh, for <laughs> for the Pelicans. We hired, we brought back the wrong the wrong guy. <laughs> no, I think I think I was probably underselling Tim Hardaway's worth. I think Hardaway at age 25 probably is going to get a little bit more than 11 million. But I'm not sure how far off I am on Patty Mills. Uh, 11 million probably might be enough over the course of four years to bring him to town. But Tim Hardaway Jr. I should also say is a restricted free agent. I think if we made that deal with him, the the Hawks might be tempted to to match it. So it's just an example of something that could take place over the off season. Um, like I said. But we have been going on far too long, Christopher. Give me an NBA Finals prediction. Ooh. Uh, I am going to say the Boston Celtics come. No, no, I'm kidding. That's too far. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, this is hard, man. Golden State in six. Golden in State in six. You're a bold man. Um, I yeah, go, Golden State in six. I, LeBron has been playing ridiculous basketball as of, as of late. He looks, um, he, he he's playing the best basketball of his life. Um, but I worry that um, him, Kyrie, and Tristan Thompson have been playing really well. But I worry that they're going to need big time production from someone else, and whether that be Kevin Love or J.R. Smith, um. I'd rather I'd rather bet my money on on Golden State reserves and some of their guys who don't have as much responsibility to produce uh, than say um, Kevin Love or you know J.R. Smith or Darren Williams or you know whoever you wanna you wanna throw in there. I hate to bet against LeBron right now, uh, but I really 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 think that uh, with the the type of rotations that that Golden State runs. Uh, that they that they put together with uh, Kevin Durant playing with the second team and Clay playing with the second team a lot. Um, I think it's going to be difficult. It's going to force Cleveland to have to uh, make certain adjustments that you know I don't know if they're willing to do uh, rotation wise. Their bench is not strong enough to you know to last against Golden State. I don't think um, LeBron's a machine. Um, I just don't know if. If anybody right now, even you know, even a healthy, I mean, 
the Spurs started off really really well against them with Kawhi there. But I don't know if anyone right now is set um, to beat that Golden State team in a seven-game series in Portland. And I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, it's just I, they're too they're too star-studded. They're they're deeper than people think, um, and they have they have many ways to beat you. Man, I, I just I can't foresee it this year. LeBron James in the playoffs through ten games is averaging thirty-four points, forty-six percent from three-point range, nine rebounds, seven assists, over two steals, one and a half blocks. And if you think that Golden State has the home court advantage. On the road, LeBron is averaging 35% and nine rebounds, seven assists, even fewer turnovers, and a higher plus minus, an 18 plus minus versus a 16 plus minus um, overall. Um, it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. This guy with rest has been unstoppable, almost reaching uh, Jordan-like potential, although you know we haven't had any... Uh, any competition as of yet? They're ten and zero so far mm-hmm. in the postseason. They actually, I think we're at eleven and zero. This uh, NBA.com slash stats might be uh, one game behind where we are in in real time. But Chris, thank you. You sound so like you're picking much. LeBron, Preston. Was that? I said you sound like you're picking LeBron, man. <laughs> I don't want to, man. He he haunts my dreams. Not five, not six, not seven. I was actually in Cleveland in 2010 when he mailed in that game five against the Celtics, and I haven't forgiven him since. And then on top of that, the taking my talents to Miami, I know I need to grow up, and I just need to get over it. You know, it's his career. It's not mine. It's me just being a bitter and jaded sports fan. But man, I just can't let go of that not five, not six, not seven. It just like burns in me. I think I think that's that's who that guy is. Um just a just just chasing the stars, chasing the championships, and and you know, just choosing the easy path. Like and in many respects, that's what Kevin Durant is doing now. That's what Lamarcus Aldridge is doing now, that's what Demarcus Cousins is doing, you know, everybody's doing it. And it, and it all started with LeBron, so I need to just move on and get, get over my, my childish gripes about it because I, I'm, I'm watching as one of the top five best players of all time is, um, is just lighting up the scoreboard right in front of my eyes, and all I can do is, is turn my nose at him. Uh, so <laughs> you're right. I shouldn't pick LeBron, but I don't know. I don't know, Chris. He's, he's unstoppable. Steph Curry can't. Steph Curry is fun to watch, fun as hell. He can't do the things that LeBron can do. And Kevin Durant, I want Kevin Durant to take that throne, man. I'm, I'm, I'm dying for it. I want Kevin Durant to be the best player in the world, and I think he has the potential. He just, he just can't put it all together. He falls short. Um, but hopefully this will be the year, and hopefully we'll be high-fiving as it happens. Chris, we need to get some more articles out of you, man. When are we going to get some more casual dating references? Well, well, I just, I just actually uh, uh, put together uh, a uh, a piece that uh, Rick should be should be putting up shortly. Uh, my wonderful editor, who doesn't sleep uh, either, it seems. Uh, he it, it's in regards to um, something a, a little bit about what we talked about today in regards to uh, how uh, the Pelicans, uh, in addition to needing to figure out what they're going to do with Drew Holiday. Uh, they they they're gonna have to address uh, the wing position. Whether you know who's gonna start at the shooting guard position, is Solomon Hill your answer? Who's gonna come off the bench? They need quality wing depth. And if you've been a if you've been a Hornets or Pelicans fan for as long as I've been, then um, there's a lot of there's a lot of wings that that you've looked at that you know if I if I start to name them will break your heart. 
uh, they have been uh, they've been missing uh, a solid a solid shooting guard and small forward from night night in and night out uh, you know season to season to count on for quite a while um, and you know they always find it's always you know every time we think that you know that we found them um, you know they they either were too young they they either either went to another franchise to, you know to realize their potential they were too old. You know, Pedro Stoyakovich, you know, James Posey, Morris Peterson, um, you know, or, you know, they were drafted and, you know, uh, they just, and they didn't pan out. You know, Julian Wright, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, Cedric Simmons, there's so, there's so many, you know, the free agency additions, you know, uh, or, you know, whether it be, you know, by trade, you know, Al Farouk Aminu, Eric Gordon. Uh, Tyree Davis, I could go on and on. You know, um, even 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 Pedro Stoyakovich when they when they signed him to that massive deal, you know, he was supposed to be you know the answer, but you know they got him you know with a really really bad back at the at you know the uh, mid to you know to end of his career with you know really you know still a serviceable small forward and, and a hell of a shooter, but he couldn't do a lot of things that you know that he was able to do in Sacramento. Uh, so no matter who you want to blame, whether it's the coaches or you know the you know the uh, you know, the players' injuries are just overall misfortune. Um, the organization, you know, whether it's, you know, Jeff Bauer, Dale Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Bauer in the past and Dale just now, um, in my opinion, they're to blame. And um, right now they don't have much time, you know, to get this thing right. So uh, it's, it takes you back a little bit, um, you know, uh, over uh, the, the history of that position in New Orleans, what they have now and, um, how important it is for them to get something done now. So that should be up, I'm guessing, sometime tomorrow. That sounds like you did a lot of research, young man. Proud of you. Uh, definitely looking forward to reading it. Chris, at Impatient Bull, for all you listeners, go ahead and give him a follow. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, get some sleep, man. I know you got to wake up in a few hours. Huh? Yeah, man. I got to get to work at 2. What is my job? And I already work today, too. So, uh this is uh, this is when I'm supposed to be sleeping, I guess. It's 6 o'clock here on, in the afternoon, so pretty hilarious work schedule taking place this week. You too, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we got to do this again soon. Sounds good, Preston. Sounds good, man. Enjoy your, enjoy your Sunday, man. You got it. Thank you so much to Chris Connor. Again, that's at Impatient Bull. Once again, you guys, if you like what you're hearing, like it, subscribe it, retweet it. Make sure to send us some questions. We'll answer them on our next upcoming episode, which could be any day now. I've actually got a very busy week at work, so it won't be any time before Thursday or Friday, but we will be talking to somebody again soon. Make sure you check out our site, pelicandebrief.com. I forgot to tell you who I am. My name's Preston Ellis. Follow me at Preston Ellis if you're not already. Thank you so much again for your support and your time and sticking with us this long. I know this is a longer podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for, for tuning in, and let's go Pelicans! 